They are ambitious. They are supporters. They are hustlers. They champion other women. They are boss babes. The Ottawa Valley is full of boss babes, and I'm here to tell you who they are. All you need is a little sweetness in your life, and Sweetened by Shelly can create that for you. These dessert stylists provide custom designed cakes, create dessert tables, and offer catering for all those small special gatherings and one day again, large events. Valentine's Day is just around the corner and if you're looking for some tasty treats for your sweetheart, Sweetened by Shelly can create something special for you. They can be found on Facebook and Instagram at Sweetened by Shelly or on their website at www.sweetenedbyshelly.com. Have a sweet day! Hello, 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 and welcome to the OV Boss Babes podcast. Most of you already know her as one of the paperback girls, but this babe has also added writer, professor, intersectional feminist, published author, community builder, and digital marketer to her resume. She's also the co-founder of the Millspouse Collective, a professional and social network for Canadian millspouses. She has a fierce passion for women's rights, and her mission is to build feminist businesses and communities that empower women. This is a woman that you want in your girl gang. Please welcome Jessica Curry to the podcast. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting to have a local podcast focusing on, um, you know, such a growing and thriving community of women entrepreneurs. Oh, thanks, Jess. And you were actually one of the people that reached out to me when I first started to uh, to congratulate me on this. And I'm I'm so excited. You were one of my most sought after guests that I wanted on the podcast. So glad to finally have you on. That's so nice. I'm going to add that label to my bio. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So let's get right into it. So you're originally from Bowmanville, Ontario. And after playing on a two-year volleyball scholarship in Chicago, you returned to Canada and you completed your undergraduate degree in women and gender studies at the University of Toronto. And, and then you moved on and pursued uh, and completed your graduate degree in women's studies with a research focus on body image and fat activism, um, feminist community organizing, and feminist theory at Memorial University in Newfoundland. That was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, uh, yeah, I try not to be snooty about my academics, but yeah, it's a mouthful. <laughs> I am, yeah, I'm a volleyball player. I I focused most of my youth and teenage years on playing competitive volleyball. Not a lot of people know, but I did play on a full ride to a division one school in Chicago for a couple of years. So um, it was a really cool experience. I I consider Chicago like a second home to me. Um, The school itself, academics, the academics didn't really line up with what I wanted to do. So I did transfer home to the University of Toronto, which is where I just took this leap and decided I'm going to major in women's studies. I know I care about women's rights. I was a very sort of a young burgeoning, you know, raw, raw feminist. And uh, yeah, I took a leap and I, I switched my major to women's studies, which um, led me to find kind of my passions within, um, within feminism. And uh, I decided to pursue it uh, at the graduate level as well. So Jess, how exactly do you personally define feminism and why do you consider yourself a feminist? Yeah, so the, I mean, the beauty about feminism is, is it gives people the choice to, to define it in a number of ways. And I identify as an intersectional feminist, um, which is uh, intersectional, um, intersectionality is a, a term that Kimberly Crenshaw coined um, to discuss 
not just the idea of equality between men and women, but to acknowledge the um, overlapping and intersecting oppressions and privileges that, that we may face. So it really looks at um, more of an equality and equity model um, and how we can break down systems of oppression rather than just looking at um, women deserve equal rights. So it's a little bit more complex. It's a little bit more focused on social change and impact as a whole. Um, and, and it certainly looks at gender as an underlying, um, an underlying experience that we should take a keen interest on. Now, that's one thing that I, I want to say for myself that I'm still learning about. I feel like everybody considers himself in some way, shape or form a feminist, but you are so passionate about, passionate about feminism. And I just want to know who and what influenced your life in such a way that you became so passionate about, about female empowerment and building communities. Sure. Yeah. So no one's ever said to me that I've been quiet about my feminism. So you're pretty bang on there. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really loud about it. I'm, uh, you know, as I grow and mature, I, I get more sort of critical and, and tactful, um, you know, about engaging people in, in it and having those kinds of conversations. Um, not everybody identifies as a feminist because there's still this kind of stigma attached to it and people don't really understand what it means. So to, to a lot of people, it's this kind of mainstream stereotype. Um, that that pushes them away from it. But what it really means is, and, and its most basic form is is fighting for, you know, equality and equity. And um, I, I don't know that there was like one specific thing that brought me here. But, you know, I grew up playing sports. So already I was in this kind of atmosphere where um, there was a divide between, you know, boys and girls. Um, I, you know, I'm a 90s kid to, to my very core. So I grew up during the Spice Girls era and, and I very much resonated with their kind of girl power spirit. Um, of course, my concept and, and understanding and application of feminism has evolved from that. Um, but, you know, that was a big thing for me. And um, then when I was in high school, I was very fortunate to have um, a geography teacher who identified as a feminist and introduced me to the concept of feminism. Um, you know, which, which a lot of people don't actually get exposure to until they're in university. So thank you, Mrs. Kirkland, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> and one of the other things too, that I really like about you, Jess, is that you're amplifying voices of women all around who are a little bit too scared to speak or to raise their voices and you have no problem. And that's, and that's one thing that's always been hard. I feel like with feminists is that they're categorized. And like you said, there's a stigma around them that they're loud, they're too much they should be quieted down and that infuriates me and and why do you think that feminists get categorized in that in that sense for simply being open and honest and and truthful about what everybody else is thinking yeah i mean it's it's for a couple reasons i mean one is there is this existing stereotype that feminists hate men that feminists want more than equality that um you know, that we're, we're here to take over the world. And um, the flip side of that is that when you hold power in society, anybody who points out that a system is flawed and challenges that power, um, you don't want them to have a voice. And so there's a number of things in place that, that tend to keep women silent from speaking out. And so um, I, I think it's a combination of, of shifting power structures and stereotypes. And so um, I, you know, there were times, there was a time in my business where I didn't 
um, you know, put feminist in the bio and, um, you know, that's bullshit. Like now I call myself a feminist business builder. I identify as a feminist marker because um, it's very important to me to bring those values um, and practices into what I'm doing. And I think the more we talk about it and the more we educate ourselves on what feminism really is, I think the more normalized it becomes and the more people feel like they're going to, you know, identify that way as well. Absolutely. And you said, you know, putting feminist in your bio and my listeners may actually have also noticed that women have been posting on their social media pages, uh, specifically on Instagram, the she and her, and may even have joined this movement themselves. So can you talk more about this gender inclusive pronoun? Yeah. So there's a number of ways that you can build an inclusive business. Um, and I do want to preface it by saying that like, um, you know, I'm by no means an expert in this particular area, but some simple you know, hacks to, to being inclusive is to put your, your preferred pronouns. Um, and so this, this normalizes it and, and, um, you know, when other people put their preferred pronouns on it, so you make it kind of a comfortable practice and, and sort of commonplace, um, to, to make it more inclusive for people who, um, maybe might be afraid or don't feel comfortable to put their preferred pronouns down. There's so many different genders, like there's the, and, and pronouns, I should say. So there's like, it's not just him and her, he and yeah, she anymore. We've moved, yeah, we've moved beyond a binary, essentially. Yes, we yes. Gender is is a fluid and, and complex, um, you know, complex categories and, and people identify in a number of ways and, and we need to be um, inclusive and uh, of that. What do you think the difference is between sexism and feminism? That's something that's always talked about and we talk about sexism constantly. It's something that's always happening. It's happening in the workplace, but what do you think the main difference is? Uh, well, I mean, they're like, they're totally different things. So sexism is, you know, the discrimination, harassment or oppression um, against somebody based on sex. And it's most commonly used against, against women because when we look at gendered power um, relations in society, um, it tends to be men, people who identify as men who have more power. So sexism is often discrimination against women. Feminism, on the other hand, is a movement um, to eliminate that discrimination and to, to bring equality um, to the table. So it's not like, you know, we want to be better than men. We want to take all the power. At a very basic feminist level, it's really just about bringing equality and equity. So Jess, you had posted something on your Instagram story about uh, the number of people that had lost their jobs due to the pandemic, but it wasn't just because it wasn't just um, aimed at people. It was women and how many women specifically lost their jobs to COVID. And the number was substantial. It was a huge number. That was a U.S.-based um, study for sure, but it's we're not immune to that here in Canada. The statistics in Canada are alarming as well. We know that the pandemic has disproportionately affected women, working women in a negative way. And that's for a number of reasons. That's um, women have, you know, women uh, at home in, in um, sort of our heteronormative structure, if, you, if you're in a heteronormative relationship, women are the ones who are taking um, on those virtual learning roles and those caregiving roles. And they're having to balance this work from home and this, this parenting model. Then the other thing is that women actually work in um, industries that tend to have been more financially impacted by COVID. And so that there's that as well. And I think that I read a statistic that 
um, this is actually putting women's advancement, gender advancement in the workplace back 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so we have to, we have to look at the, the social and financial impacts of COVID-19 from a gendered lens. Um, because there's there's something there that's disproportionately affecting women and women entrepreneurs as well. Um, uh, the the places that we build businesses, the sectors that we're building businesses, are the ones that are are being impacted by these regulations. So one of your passions also is exploring a number of professional opportunities, including your own venture helping entrepreneurs build feminist businesses. So this past fall, you actually co-authored a book, Women Let's Rise: Empowering Women to thrive and lead. And it became an Amazon bestseller, which congratulations, Jess, is in order. So exciting. And, and your chapter, Girl Gang, uh, it looks at building authentic and supportive communities of women in business. And, and you co-authored this book with, uh, along with several other female entrepreneurs that share this very personal, or, or sorry, that, that share this personal passion along with their own stories to help others feel their passion. So Tell me everything. How did you get involved uh, in this publication? How long the process was? Did you know these authors beforehand? Tell me everything. Yeah, so I didn't know anybody beforehand. I, um, uh, I've always wanted to write a book. I, I, I love writing. I um, was told in high school that pursuing a career in writing was, was a bad idea, but you know, now I, I write for a living, right? I'm, I write digital copy, I'm a copywriter. Um, I've had, you know, articles in magazines and now the, the book was sort of this, this pinnacle, like, um, you know, your, your teachers aren't always right kids. And, um, <laughs> so I actually did know, I, I had a friend who, who was a co-author in an, in another book and, um, she had had a really good experience working with Golden Brick Road Publishing, which is the publishing house. They're a boutique um, feminist publishing house and a lot of their work um, focuses on empowerment and, and, and social change. And, um, you know, I reached out to the publisher and said I was interested in, in being in one of those. Um, certainly a lot of my work revolves around collaboration and, and working together and building community. And so the idea of co-writing a book and collaborating to, to bring something like this together was really um, sort of aligned with my values. And um, she put me in touch with the lead author of Women Let's Rise because she thought that sounded like it was um, you know, really close to what I was interested in writing about. And, you know, I pitched Girl Gang and they were really excited to have me as, as part of the project. And, um, you know, I didn't know anyone then, but I've, I've certainly built up a really wonderful community there now. That's fantastic. And I love that it encompasses a bunch of different authors and what a great way to build a community within, uh, amongst other women as well. And, but let's talk about your chapter. So from what I read, it talks about saying goodbye to the mean girl culture and normalizing systems of support while building inclusive girl gangs. So yeah, it's really, it looks at kind of, um, uh, you know, why as grown women are we still experiencing this mean girl phenomenon, right? One of my favorite, favorite movies is Mean Girls. And, um, you know, I think about, you know, why are there so many Regina Georges um, you know, in our communities and what's going on. And so a large part of that has to do with, we live in a patriarchal society. And within this society, um, there's both the understanding that we shouldn't support each other because there's not enough room at the top for everybody. Um, and there's also sort of a, a hiding or a covering of the actual support that's really happening. Because from my experience is that there, the, 
we're actually really supportive of each other. Mm -hmm. um, but there's this idea that we're not, and it's the idea that we're not that then fuels our thoughts that we shouldn't be. And so the more that we're, you know, fighting with each other, the less we have to sort of tackle these larger issues of gender equality. Um, and so it really looked at, you know, why is it happening? Why are we mean girls? How do we get out of this? And how do we actually support each other? Um, and, and what do we do if, if for some reason, somebody just doesn't grow out of it? And so my, one of my main takeaways that I want everyone to know is that not everybody belongs in your girl gang and that's okay. Um, but that your, your girl gang can grow, you know, far and wide. And if, 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 um, you know, COVID has taught us anything, it's, it's the need to build your digital community and it's the need to stay in touch with your girl gang. Um, however you can. One of those things that really resonated too with me, Jess, um, I can't wait to get the book. First of all, I'm so excited, but, um, when you talked about the mean girl culture and the movie specifically Mean Girls, I thought immediately back to my personal experience growing up in elementary school. And I will tell you right now, as soon as I saw Mean Girls, all I thought was the bitch bench girls. So that's what they were called at, uh, <laughs> in my elementary school, they were, they were a group of girls and they were, they, they labeled themselves as the BBGs. And if any one of my high school or my elementary school friends are listening, I'm sure you guys remember, but it was awful. They all said like, so we had gotten, um, benches like which was the highlight at the time like in the playground we got a bunch of benches and all the girls that were part of this group would sit on the benches and you could not sit with them unless you were specifically invited so it was very much like um like like mean girls itself but how do you surround yourself with women that you know will support you you know it's it's hard it's hard right like i wish i had the answer for how do we solve you know, girl on girl bullying in elementary school and like, just stop it there. Um, but like, certainly there's some tools and stuff like that, but how do we surround ourselves with positive um, relationships, you know, as grown women, um, why are we still experiencing this? And the reality is, is that even when you're young or even now, it's that the part of it is that the media glorifies mean girls. Mm -hmm. The media glorifies the frenemy. Think about all the shows that are really popular. Um, you know, Betty versus Veronica. Um, um, I'm a huge Gossip Girl fan. You know, Serena and Blair are not friends. They're frenemies. And um, I think about all of these representations of what friendship looks like. And it normalizes the fact that we're supposed to be mean to each other. And so a piece of that is, um, you know, I, I'm big on pop culture and media and how it impacts us. And so um, if, if we start showing more supportive and authentic friendships, um, the more we normalize that for, for young women and the more we grow up into it. Um, and so that we're not ending up in this kind of, um, this world, uh, particularly amongst millennial women in business where we're being really mean to each other and um, we don't get caught up to it. And I'm certainly not immune um, to, to participating in that. And, uh, you know, you can't sit with us on, on the bench becomes like you can't have lunch with us and you can't come network with us and, um, you know, you can't collaborate with us. And th those are the way that you can't sit with us manifest in the women in business world. And so that there's a couple steps and part of it is, you know, your own inner work um, and knowing that like competition does not mean um, that you have to be, you know, mean to people. 
Um, just because you're not friends or you don't see eye to eye with someone doesn't mean you need to take it a step further to participate in that kind of mean girl politics. And then the second step is that um, the more you put yourself out there and the more new people you meet, the more people you're going to bring into this like really great community. And so sometimes community it really is about finding people with shared interests and not necessarily geographic. So just because we're all in the same women in business community here in the Ottawa Valley doesn't necessarily mean that we're all going to be part of this tight knit supportive community. So one of the problems with not being able to um, get together and network and build our female social circle uh, with social distancing obstacles that are preventing us from gathering meet in person. How can one do that now virtually and online? So there's some things I like to think of, like there's different layers to your, what I call your girl gang. There's different layers to it. Um, so, you know, you're like close inner circle, making sure you're touching down with them. Maybe it's via text, maybe it's, you know, in an Instagram DM. So touch base every day, see how they're doing. Um, I know we're getting a little bit of Zoom fatigue, but certainly <laughs> there's something very different between, you know, um, from, you know, stepping on a corporate call to take a, you know, a meeting versus, you know, pouring yourself a glass of wine and, and chatting, chatting it up with your, your, your business besties or whoever, right? Um, so we need to feel connected to people, um, particularly people like me who are extremely extroverted. Like we are not okay right now. We want to be out and socializing and, and planning events. And so the only way that we can do that safely um, is, is to utilize the power of social media and, and digital community building. And so what I really loved at the beginning of the pandemic um, was seeing all these creative ways that people were were finding ways to hang out together. And, you know, one of them was these like virtual game nights. Like I remember playing Cards Against Humanity on like an app with my cousin and, and my sister. And, um, you know, the other one was, you know, our local She's in Business group here does uh, virtual co-working. So, you know, we have a chat and then um, the timer uh, will be set and you're actually working in silence, but but everyone's on Zoom. And so you're kind of there and it's, it's about having that solidarity and support. And it's not necessarily about like being face-to-face. -face. So speaking of the Ottawa Valley group, uh, she's in business on Facebook. You're also an assistant admin in that group. And just to kind of reiterate this, this group, uh, this online group inspires and supports female entrepreneurs and female-led businesses. And it's a wonderful space for women to meet with other like-minded women and network virtually, like you said, and share information. So can we kind of talk about this group too? And, and when did it start and what can people expect when they join the group? Where can they find it and how they can get involved? Because uh, I stumbled across this group back when I had first launched my podcast and immediately I started connecting with so many businesswomen and, and people are constantly asking questions on there and assisting one another. It just, I think it's just such a wonderful network, but um, yeah. So anyways, back to you, let's talk about that and, uh, and what people can expect where they can find it and all the things. Sure. So I don't want to actually take credit for the group because I didn't start it or create it. This was um, Ro and I believe Tiff who started the group and they really built it from the ground up. They came up with the idea that we needed a space for women in the Ottawa Valley who were entrepreneurs and who worked in the business sphere to come together and share resources and network. So right from the beginning, um, and I think it must be about four years now, um, they recognized that there was a need for like-minded women to make these connections because the way that we all succeed and the way we all get to the top is through support and through collaboration and like through, you know, cheering each other on. And so 
they've created this beautiful, huge community that's grown. And so it's a, it's a Facebook community and um, it, it serves two purposes. One is to share resources in um, within the group and, and to ask questions because the chances are, say if like, I don't know anything about Shopify, but like somebody in there is, is pretty good at Shopify. Um, and so it's to break down those barriers of access to information and resources. Um, and then it also serves as, as, a, as a social network. And um, a lot of us are going through the same things. A lot of us had to shift our businesses, close our businesses, reevaluate our businesses during COVID. And um, so it, it really acts as both a social and support network for that kind of stuff. And so you can find it on Facebook. It's a private group. You have to have, um, you know, own a business, owner operate a business um, uh, in the Ottawa Valley to join. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. We'll be right back after we hear from our sponsors. Hey, bombshells and bombsers. Bombshells Tattoos is a female-owned and operated tattoo and piercing studio, offering registered massage therapy as well. With four tattoo artists to serve you and 17 years in the tattoo industry, these ladies, Liz, Carrie, Vanessa, and Jenny, offer many tattoo styles, from traditional to watercolor, pointillism to trash polka, and many more. Whether you're looking to commemorate a loved one, a pet, cover up a drunken mistake or an ex's name, or you just want to get a badass piece of art, Bombshells has got you covered. Julie is available for all of your piercing needs, everything from the navel up. And she also offers a wide array of massage techniques from deep tissue to Indian head massage. They service anyone over from 18 years of age and operate by appointment only. Find them on Facebook and Instagram at Bombshells Tattoo Studio, their website at bombshellstattoostudio.ca and in shop at 1027 Victoria Street in Petawawa. Business Advisory Network are pleased to support local businesses. Small businesses are an integral component in vibrant, dynamic communities. By their very nature, entrepreneurs innovate, disrupt the status quo, inspire creativity, and promote skills development. Small businesses are the very fabric and rich history of a diverse community. Support local business. Check out shoppetawawa.ca, your one-stop resource to finding businesses in Petawawa. View promotions and messages connected directly to business social and shopping platforms. Help our small businesses. Shoppetawawa.ca Hey guys, this is Holly from HA Video Productions and you're listening to the OV Boss Babes podcast. You mentioned too, Jess, on your social media, the importance of reclaiming self-care and, and right now it's more important than ever. And many young people, especially women, they don't put themselves first. And they think that self-care is an indulgent act. Um, I actually just posted on my social media, one of your quotes from your own Instagram, uh, and I'm just going to read it out that you had said, and I had just posted as a reminder to everybody, uh, find the people who support you, make you feel better and connect with them. Even if it's virtually your community is important. And I thought that was just a words to live by, especially right now. Um, but why do you think it's more important than ever to practice self-care, especially during a pandemic? Sure. So the, the post that you're, you're referring to, um, you know, I, I was talking about how self-care is a feminist act and, and that draws from the work on Andre Lord. And um, she sort of revolutionized this idea 
um, and that when you're fighting for injustices, uh, rest is important so that you can come back. We, li we live in a culture and a society um, that glorifies hustle. And we were told, um, you know, as uh, um, women in business, you know, when you first come to this, you know, girl boss, boss babe world, and you're really eager to get going, it's, there's a lot of stuff about hustling and, and um, it becomes this sort of competition of who stayed up later to work on their website and, and, oh, I barely get any sleep because I'm hustling on the weekends and uh, we glorify that. And, and the truth is that's way worse for your progress and, and for your, your own wellness. Um, than, than intentionally practicing self-care. And that looks like a lot of different things for people. You know, I talk about self-care a lot with, with my students at the college and um, self-care is marketed <laughs> as, as fancy face masks and pedicures and things mm -hmm. like that. And uh, that's just indicative of, of the society that we live in. But self-care is really anything that you need to do to be well. And so maybe that is, you know, intentionally you know that you're gonna nap today, or you know that you need, you know, an hour to watch Netflix, or you know that when you, you know, drink smoothies every day, you feel better. So self-care is anything that you need personally um, to make yourself feel well and rested and, and um, you know, ready to go again, or not ready to go again, because self-care shouldn't be just to refuel your hustle. <laughs> self-care should be, um, <laughs> sort of this this practice that becomes normative. Um, um, I, I work with a woman, her name is Dr. Robin Hanley Defoe, and she talks a lot about life work balance instead of work life balance. And um, her, her idea is that your life should come first and your life should be the thing that you're balancing your work with and not vice versa. And self-care very much plays into that concept. I find that so many women too, whether it be a female entrepreneur or a woman or a business professional, we pride ourselves so much in our work and what we do. And, you know, you need to remember to take that step back. And like you said, give yourself that, that time and that space and do whatever you need to do, whether it's pouring that extra glass of wine, whether it's stepping outside and, and allowing yourself to get away from the kids and go for a walk and meditate, do yoga, just take the time for you. And, um, I just think that it's so important, Jess, that you talk about that. And, uh, and again, right now, more than ever, when we're all in confined spaces, yet again, we're limited with human in interaction. And that's why I almost hate about the whole thing about social distancing. It's not, we're, we're supposed to physical distance, but we cannot stop the social distancing aspect of it. You have to still connect with people. You have to still focus on your self-care and do whatever you need to do to stay sane. Totally, totally. And like, you know, part of my self-care is, is socializing with people. I need to be social, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, you know, being at home with a toddler, um, you know, my self-care evolved to, I just need 15 minutes to scroll on my phone alone, you know? And so, you know, self-care I think is evolving and it's, it's um, individualized and it's self-defined. So let's talk about the boss babes culture, which you had mentioned earlier and the use around terms like boss babe and girl boss and uh, she EO. Obviously boss babe is the name of my podcast and we all have different views and opinions around this, but what exactly is your take around this targeted marketing movement? Sure. So I, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I had kind of pre-read your question about how we might have differing views on it. And I, I, I almost feel like we won't. So when I, when I first 
you know, started the bit when Katie and I first started paperback, it was, you know, four, four and a half years ago, almost. And, um, you know, we were so super into it. I had my girl boss mug and I was a hashtag girl boss. And, um, you know, we were, we were throwing boss babes events. Mill spouse got started because we threw a, a mill spouse boss babes event. So, so it, you know, I've used the term and, um, I think it's, I think it's two pronged. So one people will criticize it, um, because, you know, there's an argument for, you know, I'm, I'm not a girl boss or a lady boss. I'm just a boss and, and naming it. So makes it feel inferior to men who just get to call themselves the boss. Right. Right. Um, you know, I will talk about this later. I work, uh, I do marketing for Valley Eats, you know, like Ryan and Dan don't call themselves boy bosses. And, um, so, so there's that juxtaposition of why should we have to, the flip side of that is that I actually think that the idea of the girl boss or the boss babe actually brought a lot of women into entrepreneurship, um, into a sphere that's typically dominated by men. And so I, I think that it brought together a community and it gave women the, the sort of opening and option to kind of ease into this idea of building a business themselves. And then the flips, the, the third flips, I don't know how many times I've flipped now, um, <laughs> is that we, you know, there's kind of a stigma around talking about money and it's, there's a stigma for women in particular. So it's like, who gets to talk about money? Who gets to talk about investments and paying off debt? And, and it is a normal thing for men to talk about that, but it's not as normalized for women. And so um, the, one of the really cool things about building a feminist business is that A, um, you know, part of sort of the mission uh, or the ob objective of building your business is so that women and particularly um, in these male dominated spaces, they're able to come in and people who wouldn't normally have been able to build this kind of wealth and money are able to step in and do it. Um, and then the flip side is that we're, we're more financially empowered when we're able to talk about it. So there's this, there is something important about identifying that we are disproportionately impacted and um, there is discrimination in, in this sphere. And so there is something about identifying at it. But my issue with it, it's not whether to use it or not to use it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the community and the culture and what's become normalized um, by this hashtag boss babe concept. Right. And so what I mean by that is that, you know, theoretically, it seems like, you know, women led businesses should be feminist. Um, but just because you're a woman and you're a girl boss or a boss babe, or, or you made a million dollars, it doesn't mean that you're, you're a feminist. What's really feminist about your business is, is the practices, policies, and day-to-day -day actions that you take. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues um, that, that come out of mainstream boss babe culture. And one of them being the use of the term empowerment. And I think that a lot of people use the word empowerment and it's, you know, it's a buzzword. There's a lot of empowerment um, coaches. There's a lot of people who, you know, claim to empower women. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of people who claim to, you know, quote unquote, smash their own glass ceiling, uh, you know, as empowered women. And um, the problem with that is that um, smashing your own glass ceiling doesn't actually smash the systems that are in place that uphold um, sexism, that uphold racism. And so um, who are you empowered? Like who gets to be empowered? 
and who is who is simultaneously disempowered by what's going on in this community. That's empowering just hearing that and what a speech right there, Jess, because um, it's so important and it's so true, um, you know, to incorporate the feminist action and, and values in all aspects of your business in order to build more of a feminist business. So I wanted to make sure that even for myself, as I'm incorporating that boss babe uh, buzzword, that I wanted to make sure that I was walking the walk as well and incorporating that in all aspects of my business. So I applaud you for bringing that to my attention. And I'm sure that you do that, you know, with all of your followers and, and, um, and people that you, you interact with on a daily basis. So I think that's awesome that you bring that awareness to it. Thank you so much. I'm actually like, if it's okay to announce, yeah. um, I'm writing a book on it. And so uh, I'm writing a book. It's called, Hey Babe, Let's Break Down the Boss Babe Narrative and Reimagine Feminist Business Communities. And it's coming out this fall. And so uh, I'm really exciting, excited about it. I'm writing it with um, the owner of the publishing house of Golden Brick Road um, Publishing. So we're writing it together. And it's really meant to look at you know, what are the, what are the different things that we see happening in our community, in our women in business community um, under the guise of boss babe and empowerment and how can we reimagine it to be this really inclusive and accessible and supportive space. That's fantastic. That's so exciting. Oh guys. So we'll have to keep an eye out for that then this fall, something to look forward to this year. <laughs> yeah. It's available for pre-order. So I'll make sure you get the link. Awesome. Yes, please. I'd love to uh, help promote that. So let's switch gears and talk about the paperback girls for a second. I know that everybody is dying to hear about what is going on with the paperback girls. So a little bit of your background before you started paperback girls is that uh, you started your career as a community fundraising specialist uh, for the can for the Canadian Cancer Society office here in Renfrew County. How did you go about making the transition to becoming an entrepreneur and starting the, the paperback girls with your business partner, Katie? You know, so Katie was a volunteer of mine. So Katie is a military spouse as well. She moved into the area, like all military spouses who are looking to find a job. She, she went to volunteer in, you know, it, find a volunteer role in her field, which was event planning and marketing. Um, and so obviously like volunteers like Katie don't come along <laughs> that often. I was like, you can do whatever you want here. Um, so we became friends. We, be we just became good friends. And um, we noticed that there was uh, not a lot of event planners here. And, you know, Katie and I both come from different backgrounds. I very much come from an academic events and um, not-for-profit events background, fundraising background. And Katie comes from, uh, you know, wedding planning and corporate background. She worked um, for a few years for Fairmont um, and dealt a lot with the NHL team. So we both had these very complementary um, event planning experiences. And, um, you know, we know we knew there was a, you know, kind of a, a space for this kind of business to, to come here. And I, I asked her, I was like, hey, do you want to meet me for coffee? I have I have an idea. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, we went to Jana's gallery cafe when, when Jana had the, the cafe across the street. And I was like, do you want to like, do you want to just like start a business? <laughs> it was like super casual. And, you know, Katie was so excited and I was so excited. And, um, you know, we got together and like in, in a week we had a name, we had a, lo a logo, we had our Facebook and our website and, like when two people are really motivated, you can really get shit done. And so it really just came out of this love of, of events and this sort of, you know, if there's no opportunities here, we're going to make our own opportunities. 
And um, it really took off. I mean, we didn't start calling ourselves the Paperback Girls. It, it just became a name. It was Katie and Jess, Jess and Katie, the Paperback Girls, um, which uh, you know I'm sure we'll get to. But that's that's what we go by now, not Paperback Events, since we've dropped that service from our from our portfolio. But um, yeah, that's how we got started. Just recognizing there was a gap, following our passion, you know, trying to start just a little side hustle that that really blew up for us. Yeah, it's a wonderful PR service that the Ottawa Valley desperately needed. And you guys are actually going on celebrating your five-year anniversary this year as well. Yeah, it will be five years in October. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I, I can't believe you guys have been around that long, but it definitely feels like you guys have been here forever. And can you tell us why exactly uh, you guys decided to make that name change permanent? Um, so yeah, we, we loved bringing new event ideas here. We loved, um, you know, being, being a part and putting that on Katie and I are both, you know, event goers and we love galas and we love fun experiences and we love a good cocktail and like, so it was a natural fit for us. And, um, we made, a, we made a hard decision this past summer and, you know, it was hard to be an event planner in, in March. Um, you know, we invested a lot of money and we went to, to Vegas to this huge event planning convention and we were like fired up about all these ideas we were going to bring home. And, um, you know, we got home and, and we pretty much went into lockdown the week after. And we, we weren't interested in putting all of our time and effort into virtual events. Um, so we did a couple, we did some Instagram markets, which, which turned out really well. And, and for a lot of our vendors actually were um, you, you know, we, we provided a space for them to sell their stuff and, and to get their name out there um, because this was, you know, spring market time and they weren't able to go. And so we, we did a, a few virtual events and then, you know, we got together and we decided that we're both, we're both of us really wanted to go direction wise and where we found the most passion and fulfillment was in our marketing work that we had been doing for our clients. So all this time, four years, we had been doing um, you know, events, but we had also been a boutique event marketing firm. So we did, you know, digital marketing, PR, copywriting, um, you know, a whole suite of services. And we really found that fulfilling and we found it um, sort of filled our creative process. And then when we made the very difficult decision to close our collaborative workspace um, this summer, we thought that it, it was a nice time to also switch gears and, and drop events as well. And, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. You never know. I mean, we still wouldn't be able to have events now. And we know knew professionally that we were going to allow ourselves the space to not only focus on the stuff in paperback we just wanted to focus on, but to focus on other things as well. So we, we finally were able to step back a bit and say, you know, it's okay that we explore other interests too. Mm -hmm. I think that was smart and very strategic of you guys to even, and very forward thinking, to prepare, you know, for the long-term effects from the pandemic and know that, you know, maybe events might not be happening down the road instead of just kind of putting it on hold and fingers crossed, hoping for the best. And you guys did start kind of venturing out. Um, and you actually, because of the pandemic, you guys, like you said, you, you expanded your career and you guys have taken on uh, other projects. Like you said, you specifically, Jess, like you're working at Valley Eats as their marketing co coordinator. You're a professor at Algonquin College teaching in uh, the business program. And then you also have your own venture, obviously, as a business marketer or as a feminist marketer. Um, so that, I mean, in itself has been keeping you busy. So how do you find time to juggle everything right now? You know, I... 
my, I'm very fortunate that my kid gets to go to daycare. So I don't have to full-time mom and full-time work. Um, because you know, that was, I struggled quite a bit in the spring. I, I wasn't able to find a balance and, and, um, the reality is, is that's okay because it's impossible to find a balance. Um, so to any moms who are like experiencing that where they're like, maybe tomorrow I'll find it. Like we are not living in, um, a time and we are not faced with something that is normal and it is totally okay because we are all feeling it. Um, so for me, it really comes down to, you know, what opportunities align with my passions um, and, and what do I really want to do? I recognize, you know, the privilege in that and in being able to pick and choose. Um, and so I, I feel very lucky to be able to work with, with um, the Valley Eats team. They're building an incredible small town based company um, that's really growing and expanding. And they've provided um, you know, I don't want to say a lifeline, but they've provided this kind of essential service mm -hmm. to local restaurants um, because many local restaurants don't offer um, their own delivery. Mm -hmm. And so they, they are, you know, the only way that people sometimes can order safely to their homes from these local restaurants. And, you know, there's a lot of talk provincial wide around third party delivery services and, and things like that. But um, the reality is, is because Ryan and Dan are, you know, Valley based, Valley Eats was born and bred in Pembroke. Mm -hmm. um, they come to this with a small town food delivery feel. And so they're, they're small businesses supporting small businesses. And so it's really great to be a part of, of that, to be a part of something good that's happening during COVID. Yeah. Um, Dan and Dan and Ryan were so on top of it and, uh, and launched their business at such a crucial time. Like they launched um, back in early 2019. I actually was a driver for them. Shout out to Valley Eats because I miss I miss working with them so much. And they've expanded their team and and grown. And now they're they're far out as uh, as Smith Falls. Am I right, Smith Falls? Yeah, and we're, we're launching place and Rockville this month is where we're launching. So nice to bring that you know that big city feel in our small town. It's it's definitely a, a great service to have. So I don't know how you have time for anything else on your plate too, Jess, but you also work part-time doing marketing and PR with Shayla Incorporated, which is uh, Shayla Brecken. So can you explain who Shayla is and why you chose to work with her? I mean, Shayla is, is, is somebody who I just felt so drawn, drawn to her and her and I crossed paths um, a few years ago. I was coordinating um, a community inclusion program in Deep River and she was running the local immigration project and, and we, we crossed paths and uh, you know, never thought anything of it. And then Katie and I actually, we, we pitched, um, we were a finalist to pitch at the Ottawa Valley startup pitch night. It was like Dragon's Den in the Valley. And um, Shayla was one of the you know, quote unquote dragons on there. And so um, I, I remember feeling like really excited that she was there and that we were we were going to get a chance to to cross paths again and um from there we actually um paperback you know did some work for her for for helping her launch her new her new initiative which is with shayla inc and um from from there we just kind of clicked shayla shayla is a, a feminist business owner as well she she cares very much about um you know putting social change um, and social justice into the principles of her business. Um, she's also somebody who's so focused on small towns. Her, her work is on uh, helping rebel rural women build their businesses. So really acknowledging that there's a lot of business sources out there for suburban and urban centered 
um, women, but that running a, running a business in small towns is different. And um, so I'm just naturally drawn to um, the work that she does and, and the role that I can play in that. And so my philosophy this fall and, and now is that um, it's okay to say yes to opportunities if they're really exciting to you. And in turn, I say no to opportunities if it doesn't feel right. So I also want to touch base on your other initiative, the Mill Spouse Collective. Um, and I was also wondering if the fall 2020 virtual Mill Spouse event ever ended up taking place. Um, I know a lot of women really enjoyed this conference too. You know, it didn't. And um, I put that all on me. Like we had started the planning and every time we had planned, we would push the date back a little bit and it, um, it, it just wasn't something that I was able to do. Uh, this year. And I know how important the Mills Post Collective is to a lot of women. And I, I know how important it was to me. And, and, you know, the, the first conference was, you know, one of my greatest um, career accomplishments. Like it was such a beautiful combination of great event, women supporting women, um, smashing these military spouse stereotypes. Like it was just this beautiful event. Our, our, you know, keynote speaker, Ariel from PMQ for two is was hilarious and, and so well-spoken. And so it was just this beautiful event. And um, part of me, you know, part of me is like, oh, we had these big plans to do, you know, we had planned to do an event in Ottawa and an event in Gagetown. So we had planned to do these two in-person events. And I think to be honest, COVID really just um, did it in for me. And when I stepped away from events, like I really stepped away from events. And so um, my hope is that there's enough, you know, passion um, behind it still and people that want to get behind it that it can continue to live on as a community and as a space that that military spouse entrepreneurs can can come to. I think it will Jess because I remember seeing the outpour response from the very first uh, the very first event and how well attended it was and how it just brought that community all together and it was one of those things that I remember seeing it and you can relate in a way too because even though I, I'm so I'm not a military spouse um, I've grown up here. I'm born and raised in a military town. And yet um, I don't even want to admit this, that I still feel like an amateur uh, in terms of the military. I still don't have like a full understanding about it. Um, I and mean, I like same though. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody ever really though? <laughs> Hashtag worst military spouse. <laughs> but it was just such a great idea to stem, to stem from and to to create something where a space where all male spouses could come together and, and relate with one another and talk and connect and support. And so I think it will live on. And, and I do hope that maybe down the road, who knows what this year is looking like. It's looking like another shit show from the, from the get-go. So who knows, but I do hope that you do plan on maybe holding another uh, male spouse collective event in the future. Yeah. It's certainly not out of the question. Um, and I think that this is like just a really good example of that. Like, you know, it's, it's okay to, it's okay to, to take things off your plate if you don't feel like you can do them. And, and that's what happened for me. And, you know, I'm far from perfect and that's a good example of it. And, um, you know, I think, I think we'll just see how the year plays out and, and how the interest and if the need is still there. Yeah. One thing at a time, you already have enough on your plate as it is. So you don't want to ambush <laughs> yourself either. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move into my rapid 10 Jess. So here we go. All right. What celebrity would you want in your girl boss tribe? Jennifer Lawrence or Reese Witherspoon? Reese Witherspoon. Yes. I love her. 
Let's bring back Mill Spouse Monday while we're, we were on that topic. And can you please give a shout out to a local Mill Spouse babe? I'm going to shout out um, Pine and Clover Apothecary, Brittany Gilman. She's a super cool uh, brand new business um, and uh, very feminist. That wasn't rapid. I'll be more rapid. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, what's one feminist documentary you would highly recommend? Um, one that I used to teach um, my students a little bit of an introduction to um, body image culture and popular culture is misrepresentation. And where can you find that? I think you can find it on Amazon. Oh, okay. Like Amazon Prime to watch? I think so. I remember renting it. So oh, okay. Good to know. Documentaries are hard. So because I'm a prep professor I have access to documentaries and I often forget that not everybody has access to them gotcha all right Michelle Obama or Oprah Winfrey Michelle Obama yes have you read her book you know I haven't I haven't I'm really bad for collecting books and not making it through them <laughs> I heard it's really good it's on my to to read list what was one of your favorite events you coordinated with paperback events oh my gosh that's a hard question I'm, I'm going to have to say, um, the pop-up baby show. What's one buzzword that we should be removing from our vocabulary? Oh, anything that culturally appropriates anything. Um, so, you know, stop, stop saying that they're your tribe. Um, you know, using ableist language, like that's so crazy. Like there's different words that we can find that are more inclusive for people. Can you tell us any, can you tell us about any exciting projects you're currently working on? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I already told you about the book, but I yes. just launched um, some workshops, which you can find on my website, which is um, jesscurry.com. But what I'm really excited about is the Feminist Entrepreneurship Academy, which is a monthly membership program for people to collaborate, um, have conversations, have tools and resources so that they can start um, putting into place these, these different steps and, and tactics to build more feminist businesses. Awesome. You mentioned the Spice Girls, Jess. What Spice Girl are you? Um, oh, this one's so hard because I actually feel like I embody a little piece of all the Spice Girls. Um, <laughs> but if I had to choose, I would go with Posh Spice. Awesome. And what's one local business that you think everyone should know about? I was going to say Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> already said her. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and shout out Ro um, on this one. Yoga with Ro um, at Wild Roga. She's somebody who um, has also had to really pivot and change her business during COVID. And she's also somebody who's um, uh, somebody who's, who's, you know, putting their social values and into the work that she's doing, which I think is um, really important today. I only just stumbled across her when I started the podcast and I've learned so much already and can't wait to feature her on the podcast down the road. So hopefully soon. You know, she's like really fucking funny, but she, you know, she also like founded She's in Business and she's always really down to build these collabs and, and bring, bring the community together. And I think that that's important. And I think sometimes we become really Pembroke centric about people that we're talking about. And um, because she's based in Renfrew, she often gets left out of those conversations, mm -hmm. but she, she's definitely somebody who's a key player in, in the Ottawa Valley, um, women in business community. And, um, 
Brittany is is in deep river so I'm I'm bringing it out of Pembroke today <laughs> awesome well that's no that's good that's what we want to do so just tell everybody where can people buy your book um you mentioned your next worship your next workshop uh when is when is that going to be uh where can people find you and how can people work with you Oh my gosh. Well, I'm always available via Instagram because I am always on Instagram. So my Instagram is at Jessica M Curry. Um, but you can find a lot of the information on my website as well. JessCurry.com. There's links to pre-order the new book or, or buy the old book. Um, and, uh, under the workshops tab on my website, um, there's, there's currently three offerings there in ways that you can work with me. And I, I also work one-on-one -on -one with business owners to do feminist audits and create feminist business strategies. Well, guys, you have to follow Jess if you're not already following her. She's going to give you some great inspiration, some great tips on how to build a feminist business. And yeah, check out her book. You can buy it on Amazon. Um, uh, or can you buy it in at Kohl's in Pembroke, Jess? Is it there too? It's not. No, it's not in any physical store. So you can buy it uh, online at Indigo um, through Amazon. You can buy it through the publisher. I have some local copies if anyone wants porch drop-offs. Um, and it's also available in the U.S. at Target, which like probably isn't relevant to your leadership, but really cool to me because I love Target. <laughs> Absolutely. You never know who's listening to. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Jess, so much for speaking with me today. Uh, guys, remember to connect with your communities, build your girl gang. And Jess, I'm sure will be more than happy to be a part of that. Um, and first and foremost, as always, remember, guys, to support others by supporting local um, and just be there for each other, especially right now. We uh, we need to build our community um, virtually right now more than anything. So um, stay positive, self-care, you know, look after yourselves, look after each other, and we will see you guys next Monday. This week's podcast is sponsored by Sweetened by Shelly, your one-stop shop for all your custom dessert needs. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Sweetened by Shelly. Bombshells Tattoo Studio. Book your next tattoo, piercing, or registered massage with the best bombshells in town. Check out their website at bombshellstattoo.ca and the town of Petawawa and Shop Petawawa. Visit shoppetawawa.ca to discover many great commercial and home businesses in the Petawawa community.